Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So Georgia had its appearance at SEC Media Days yesterday, and before we do our regular show here, if you're watching on video or if you listen on podcast, we have a little thing we do for about 15 minutes on our own website, dognation.com. By the way, how great does the brand new look for dognation.com look right now? But we do a little thing there called our first and 15, just some comments and some sort of a, I guess, sort of a slow build or ramp up to the actual show that starts at 10 a.m., and we were talking about Kirby's appearance, and one of the things that came up a moment ago is, is that the one thing you know about Kirby Smart going into a venue like this is is that he's not going to really hit too hard on the topics that people, fans, are the most interested in. Like, he's not going to reveal some grand secret about the quarterback situation or how other position battles are playing out or, you know, the idea of, you know, here's the game that Kirby Smart's the most worried about. You know, that's the kind of thing that, you know, you might – It'd certainly be interesting if Kirby Smart would talk about those sorts of things, but you know Kirby Smart's not going to. And I think the assumption that could be very easy to make is, well, since Kirby Smart's going to avoid all of the topics that are probably the most interesting to fans and do everything he can to sort of stay away from a lot of that kind of stuff because that stuff is decided on the field, it's decided in practice and things like that, because Kirby Smart's going to avoid topics like that, therefore the stuff that he says is going to probably be pretty bland, pretty boring. And the actual truth is, I think that even though Kirby Smart avoids interesting topics, hot topics, you know, the kind of sort of buzzy conversations that fans buy their time with during the summer and the offseason, even though Kirby Smart attempts to sidestep all of that, the stuff that he actually says in a venue like this, I think is pretty interesting. Now, maybe we only think that because we're Georgia fans and we're just sort of, you know, we'll take whatever we can get when it comes to Georgia football conversation. Maybe that's what it is. But nonetheless, I think that Kirby Smart does a pretty good job of how he talks about the things that he chooses to talk about, including the big idea that he brought up yesterday. The fact that Georgia, two-time national champion, go for two in 22. You heard us talk about that last year. Go for three in 23. You know we're all about that here for this upcoming year. But as that stands, as a possible objective and a goal and an accomplishment that could exist at the end of the season here for UGA, there is a threat out there, a threat that might prevent, blah, 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 excuse me, a threat that might prevent any of this from happening. Now, doesn't that sound like a little bit of an interesting topic? Doesn't that sound like something to kind of sink your teeth into a little bit? Kirby Smart sees a threat to UGA success. Uh, an impediment to George's dynasty. And yesterday, Kirby Smart, as he took the podium at SEC Media Days, by the way, wearing a very, very sharp suit. Not every SEC coach, I think, is a well-dressed man. Kirby Smart looks pretty sharp here right there in the uh, suit that you might see on the screen in front of you had me watching on a video. But Kirby Smart talked directly yesterday about the threat that he sees for Georgia here this season. This is good stuff. Take a listen to Kirby Smart. I do want to speak briefly on dealing with the threat of complacency. Everybody here has talked about is the emphasis on three-peat, is the emphasis on what are you going to do next, how are you going to top that, how do you top an undefeated season. You know, the threat for us is complacency. The first thing you have to do is acknowledge that it's a threat. It's the first step towards stomping it out. So we, we look for two things when we look for people to join our organization. I'm not talking about players. I'm talking about anybody in our organization. Do they love football and do they embrace being part of something bigger than themselves? Are they selfless? And those two qualities are not dependent on outcomes. Did I win or loss? Did I get a sack? Did I touch the ball? 
that, that's not what we're looking for, guys that are dependent on outcomes. We want guys that think independent of outcomes. There is something interesting about the comment that Kirby Smart makes there that I want to kind of dive into a little bit. I find it really interesting that Kirby Smart addresses the threat facing Georgia complacency, the idea that people within the organization just get a little too used to winning and assume that somehow winning some sort of inheritance, birthright, this thing that's destined to take place no matter what they do. And Kirby Smart says the way in which you battle against that threat is through the personnel that you have in your organization, the players in the field, the coaches that coach them, the support staff that helps the coaches, coach the players, all of that, that Kirby Smart sort of points directly to personnel as a defense against the perhaps natural complacency that could sort of seep in. And I think the reason why that's such an interesting and probably astute observation from Smart is, is that the idea of good people just being a little bit of a scarce commodity, the sort of players who don't put their individual success above team success, the kinds of coaches who are willing to sort of work as hard as required, both on the recruiting trail and on the practice field to make sure that the players are trained up and, and, and developed as well as they possibly could be, the kind of energy it requires to be that kind of person, that's just a little bit of a scarce commodity. There will never be enough people in any organization to, to, to kind of push you towards that greatness or, or enough people to sort of fill every organization. So if you're Georgia, you want your unfair share of those kinds of people, those kinds of players, those kinds of support staff types, those kinds of coaches. Because when you have players exit your program, every year Georgia does through the NFL draft, when the transfer portal is now a little bit of a factor when it comes to this kind of stuff with uh, Georgia, when other programs are coming to call, typically they are. Georgia lost its offensive coordinator here this year, uh, lost its defensive coordinator after the 2021 season now Kirby Smart did talk yesterday about the fact that everybody that Georgia employs as a coach right now was on the staff a year ago but you still have some attrition from your coaching staff even if you're kind of hiring from within there that that the, the natural kind of brain drain or talent drain from your coaching staff and your support staff ranks and your uh your player ranks there's just always going to be a scarcity of the kinds of people that contribute to that kind of culture the kind of culture that fights back against complacency and so it's interesting to hear Kirby Smart state that as explicitly as he did and then he went on into more detail about exactly what Georgia does to sort of fight against what Kirby I think sees as a natural enemy of complacency the idea that you just get a little too used to winning and that winning might make you just a little bit soft here's more from Kirby Smart about that better never rests we believe that those are strong words now when you think about it think deep on it Better never rests. Our kids understand it. Our kids have learned it. What drives us for this season is intrinsic motivation. We're not going to be controlled by outside narratives and what people say and, and who's going to be the quarterback. The intrinsic motivation comes from within and what we decide to do. This team, the 2023 team, is still defining itself. We don't know where that goes. That happens over the course of the rest of the summer and fall camp, but I like where it's at. I love the buy-in. I love the fact these guys love being around each other and they love competing and they love football. So that's important to me. The concept of better never rest, which is pretty clearly going to be a phrase that we hear a lot from Kirby Smart here this year, as many of you are aware of, that comes from a, a New Zealand rugby team called the All Blacks. They're called the All Blacks because that's the color of their uniform. And I, you might be surprised to find out I am not a rugby expert, but even I've heard of the All Blacks before. I guess there's a famous book that's been written about them, and that's obviously been a big source of motivation uh, for George throughout this offseason, studying that book and the concepts that I guess have been put forth by the New Zealand rugby team known as the All Blacks. In fact, the All Blacks on Twitter yesterday gave a nice shout-out to Georgia football. That was kind of a cool symmetry to see there on all of this. But Kirby Smart talking about the battle against complacency being won by being committed to to 
never rest, to always be in search of being better and never sort of sit back and rest on laurels as a uh, way of getting that done. Now, let me pause here for a moment. I realize that for a certain portion of the audience, this is a little bit touchy-feely. Not what I'm saying necessarily. Even some of the stuff that Kirby Smart's saying just sort of feels a little too psychological, I guess, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say here. And there are a lot of people who sort of prefer the conversation to be a little bit more overtly about football. I totally get that. So let me see if I can kind of pivot that direction. All of the stuff that Kirby Smart is saying there, I actually think shows up in a very tangible way in the season here this year, that if you want to measure how better never rests Georgia really is, or how against complacency Georgia really is, how much of a threat that Georgia truly views that to be and how much the idea of complacency really does threaten Georgia. I think there is one way we can see that show up on the field for this team here this year. And a way of sort of setting that up, I want to let you hear from Cedric Von Braun Granger. Now, Van Braun, one of the very few players to ever go to -to back-to-back media days. I'm not quite so sure how often that's even happened, but that's the kind of lead for Georgia or anybody else. That's just the kind of leader that he is. And taking the, the, the vision cast by Kirby Smart of fighting against complacency, realizing that better never rests, all that kind of stuff. I thought that Van Prahn yesterday, who's obviously a great spokesman for Georgia, I thought he did a really good job of sort of describing in practical terms about what all of this means. And here is where you kind of get a little bit more specific into on the football field, the games that Georgia's about to play, and the way that fans themselves can evaluate how all of this is playing out during the season. Let me let you hear SVP, and then I'll explain why what he said is important. Here is from yesterday, Cedric Von Prahn Granger. Nobody from the previous two teams is going to go out there and play for you. Jordan Davis isn't putting on a jersey this year for Georgia. Like, he's, he's not playing. So it's just understanding that, yes, what those guys have accomplished is great, but this team has not accomplished anything. We have not played a game yet. We have not played anybody. We haven't done anything. So I think it's really just understanding that if you want what they had, you have to work for it. And I think that's just the biggest thing, understanding that all of your opponents are great. All of those guys are going to come with it. They're going to be prepared. Nobody's going to be unprepared. Everybody's going to be giving you their best shot. So it's up to you to make sure that you're working just as hard, if not more, than the guys that came before you to try and hopefully, by the grace of God, achieve something that you want. So I just think that's really interesting that at the end there, Van Prahn says, hey, listen, here's how all this shows up in how we prepare and how we perform and play here this season. The understanding that all of our opponents are great and that really anybody can beat us at any moment. And here is where you have to get kind of honest here just for a second. Georgia won a national championship in 2022 about as easily as any team probably could, right? They had two close games, the Peach Bowl and the game against Missouri. Other than that, Georgia just totally ran through the entirety of the season I I literally don't know that I've seen a team win a national championship in an easier fashion than Georgia won the 2022 national championship they were that dominant and it would require a lot of nitpicking to even find any negative about the Georgia season a year ago but if you did really want to kind of like dig in and say hey what was the thing that you didn't like I think some Georgia fans would say the best version of Georgia we saw like handful of times that there are plenty of games where Georgia knew maybe it didn't need its best and therefore it didn't give its best it didn't really require that that day they were doing seemingly just enough to win and they moved on they got ready for the next game and ultimately it didn't cost Georgia but there is that sense of well it 
could have that if you try to flip the switch to really play at your best in the games that matter, that can get a little dangerous after a little while. It didn't hurt Georgia in 2022, but it kind of could have. That if you really wanted to kind of nitpick what was a perfect season in a second straight national championship, admittedly not an easy thing to do, but if you wanted to nitpick the Georgia season a year ago, that's what you might say is, you know, Georgia wasn't always at its best every single game. And while it never hurt Georgia, it certainly could have hurt Georgia to not play at that consistent high elite level in 2022, which is all the more reason why I think that you want to kind of have that as a goal and a mission here for this year in 2023, especially given the fact that on paper, a lot, if not all of the 2023 games that Georgia slated to play in the regular season, there really isn't a marquee matchup in the bunch. Maybe Tennessee will be, but Tennessee's got some work to do to make it matter. Maybe Ole Miss could be. Same thing is true there for the Rebels. Auburn early in the season, that's a possibility, but that's an Auburn team not even likely to be ranked in the top 25. But you have to kind of stretch to sort of find the marquee matchup that truly matters for Georgia. All the more reason, to go back to use the phrase that Smart used a moment ago, you got to try to find that intrinsic motivation. you got to motivate yourself because the opponent that you're playing may not provide its own natural motivation. And if you're not careful, it becomes the kind of thing that can sneak up on you. Because, as I pointed out before, college football did not miraculously become easy to predict overnight. This is a support. This is a sport that has surprised you and me both for the entirety of our lifetime. That's why we love it. There are mysteries to unfold in every season. Things happen that we cannot have predicted and that we could have never expected them. Because if we could predict them, if we do expect them, they wouldn't be unpredictable. But unpredictable moments are true in each and every season. The last time the SEC had a back-to-back national champion going into a new season was Alabama in 2013. In that year, Auburn came out of nowhere. It was a first-year coach in Gus Malzahn, glorified high school coach. It was a converted defensive back playing quarterback in Nick Marshall, yet they won the SEC. They played for the national championship, and they almost won that. It's the kind of unpredictable thing that college football has a way of providing us. And so if you're thinking about Georgia this year, what's the thing that stands in the way of winning a third straight national championship? I'm going to tell you, it's more likely to be something you can't foresee than it is to be something that you do foresee because that's just the way that college ball works. Unpredictable, weird things stand at the forefront of Georgia over the course of the next 12 games, 15 games, the next handful of months. And if you want to make sure you don't fall prey to the big surprise that waits for Georgia, then be a better never rest type team. Be a team that takes every moment seriously. As Cedric Von Prahn says, be a team that takes every game seriously because a Missouri, like almost happened a year ago, can pop up out of nowhere. So that's how you take an idea that Kirby Smart displayed yesterday, the idea of fighting against complacency, and you talk about specifically how it might manifest itself during the upcoming season. That is clearly the challenge for Georgia. We know how tough the challenge is because no one's ever done this before. No one's won three straight national championships in any sense of the modern era of college football. But just because no one has done it doesn't mean that it can't happen. It may be a better way of saying no one's done it yet. Maybe Georgia will be that team here this year. And fighting against complacency, as Kirby Smart says, is going to be a big way towards getting that goal accomplished. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by our friends at Breda Pest Manager, and we are happy to have you with us, no matter how. You get to us today live on video. We start 945, as I said a moment ago, on our first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, across all of those video platforms, radio noon, 
Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref Podcast, Apple, Spotify, posting the show at theworldfamousdognation.com. So many ways for you to connect with us here, and we're just glad you picked one of those and choose to do it. We're really, really thankful for all of that. And a big thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management who make it all possible. We're so happy to have them as a part of our show here because we love the great work they do for UGA. This is, after all, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That means when you're at Sanford Stadium or one of the other athletic venues, you know that spot, that, that venue is protected from bugs and critters and uh, termites uh, by our friends at Breda Pest Management. The same level of service that Breda provides to UGA, they can provide for you there as well. A company that's been in business since 1975 with 125 employees working hard to satisfy the needs of all those they take care of. They want to put that same level of service for you. And those resources can be leveraged for your benefit because when you make the switch, kind of kick the uh, fly-by-night company you might be working with to the curb, you're going to put more money back in your pocket instantly just for making that switch to Breda Pest Management. After all, maybe with the company you're currently working with, you get the letter in the mail, cost of service going up. At the same time, the quality of the service seems to be going down. That is not the way that it's going to be with our friends at Breda Pest Management. They take care of UGA athletics venues. They can take care of your home or commercial property or whatever you have, rental property. They can take care of all of that there as well, too. So please reach out. Find them online. BredaPest.com. That is B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. You can find them today. All right, coming up in a couple of moments, we're going to catch up with Mike Griffith there in Nashville SEC Media Days. We'll find out from him what it was like being in the room yesterday with Kirby Smart, those Georgia players. We'll cover all of that ground here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse. Poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. And I want to shift gears here for a moment and talk a little bit about a couple of UJ recruiting notes. One of these, I guess, on the bad side. One of these possibly on the good side there as well. Georgia did have the decommitment yesterday. I'll show you this on the screen here from Jalen Hayward, who announced that he's no longer a part, or I guess uh, you know, uh, on three announced for him, that he's no longer a part of that 2024 recruiting class for Georgia. The safety backing off that pledge there to UGA. A lot of Georgia fans left to wonder, okay, well, what does this mean moving forward? Is this an example that Hayward now knows that, for instance, five-star you know, future safety at Georgia, K.J. Bolden, is going to be a part of this 2024 class? Well, I think that folks think that Bolden could be a part of this class no matter what, and Hayward's decision, I think, will largely be viewed as sort of independent of that. This isn't a move being made so that there's room for K.J. Bolden. George was always recruiting K.J. Bolden, even while Hayward's a part of this class. If anything, I think what this does is put a larger spotlight on the decision that Bolden's going to make on August the 5th. This is a player that Georgia desperately wants. I think this is one of the big targets remaining for Georgia here in this class. The recruiting battle for uh, for uh, Bolden may not end on August the 5th, but when you have a guy like Hayward stepping away, obviously that puts a, a larger spotlight on the decision that Bolden is going to make here. And, you know, Georgia's still trying to put together a historic-type class. You know, this decommitment alone is not going to necessarily change that. And obviously, I think that Georgia has earned the right here to kind of work through its recruiting process. Uh, you're going to chase some big fish. You're going to lose one out of the boat every now and then. This is not the last decommitment Georgia's probably likely to suffer. Then there's some expectation that there could be some more news on that front maybe within the next few days there as well. Uh, and that's just sort of the cost of doing business. You're going to lose some good players as you also work to add the very best players you can possibly add. Uh, Hayward, the latest example of that, but attention will be paid in the next few days to who George also has a chance to add defensively. And as many of you are aware, uh, that list could be a long one indeed. So that's the news there on that front. Now, 
on a better note and on the other side of the ball here for a moment, there's a growing sense that Georgia could be in a good position for running back Nate Frazier, who's a guy we've talked about before and a guy that I think we think could provide a really interesting spark to the Georgia offense overall. And one of the things I think has been interesting for Georgia offensively with the class of 2024 is just how dynamic some of the offensive weapons could be, the Nikars and the White Phillips and you know the guys, you know, the Scovy Whites, you know, guys you may want to talk about there. And another guy who would certainly fit that profile if he were to join this Georgia class is the four-star running back, uh, Nate Frazier. There's been some online chatter as of late connecting Frazier to UGA. You can't help but notice that. Frazier himself sort of hinting at being pretty close to his decision here. Now, the other day, Frazier dropped to top eight, so. From that standpoint, it sort of seemed like maybe he was a little farther away than I initially thought that he would be. But the recent statements would seem to make you think he's getting a little closer. In fact, let me show you this from Frazier on Twitter here. The hardest part about recruiting, he says, is building great relationships with the coaches and losing it because you decide to go to another school. So uh, it doesn't take a, a genius to read between the lines there on that, that Frazier may be letting some coaches down easy a bit telling them he plans on not coming to their school does that mean he's made his choice and does that mean some of the online predictions connecting him to Georgia are true we will have to wait and find out but that would certainly I think be a decision worth celebrating Frazier's a a player that I believe Georgia fans have acquainted themselves with have really grown to like and if he is on his way to UGA that would be truly very good news so Potential good news there on what could be a looming commit, but uh, obviously the bad news, you wish Hayward well as he moves on to the next phase of uh, his recruitment and obviously all eyes pointing towards K.J. Bolden, who would certainly be a terrific safety for Georgia if he were to make that pledge to the dogs here on August 5th. And I don't know what you do about all the chatter that's out there on, on the Bolden thing right now. Is it still Georgia, Ohio State? Has Florida State really wrestled their way in here as much as you know their uh, sort of local Tallahassee-based media wants to seem to suggest that it is? Is Auburn a factor there? Uh, your guess is as good as mine there on that. But the sense that you get is that Georgia feels, still feels really good about that. So this is why we love recruiting. It's good soap opera-style drama, and the Bolden recruitment seems to have plenty of that. We'll make it around the doghouse. Poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. And I think this is an exciting new option here when it comes to uh, what's going down with our friends there at uh, Dr. Pepper, the uh, great new, um, you know, the the, the the great new offering, Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream. What a, a fun thing all of that is. Uh, there we go. Uh, the great new offering there from them. Uh, you know how much I love the regular Dr. Pepper, but now you get the brand new uh, strawberries and cream flavor. Zero sugar, of course. You got that option there too. But anytime Dr. Pepper introduces a brand new permanent uh, flavor offering, that is what you're going to get. And it goes down with uh, our friends at Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream. A lot of you have tried it. You said it's great. Obviously, it's a great time of year to be trying it. And anything from Dr. Pepper, you know I'm all about that. So check out Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream and Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream, zero sugar. You can find some at Kroger. You can find some wherever you're doing your grocery shopping. Really good new offering from our friends at Dr. Pepper, and great to have them as a part of Around the Doghouse here today. All right, so we got a lot coming up here. Uh, we get to our you know, SEC through a little bit later on. We'll kind of cover some of the ground as it relates to some of the other events taking place at SEC Media Days. I think there are a couple of coaches that I think have probably performed here pretty well. I think today will be interesting, uh, you know, there in Nashville, so we'll cover some of that ground too. I'm also, before we're done, going to let you hear from Kirby Smart on another topic. Smart, once again, directly uh, addressing some of the off-season concerns that have popped up around UGA. I thought I thought Smart had some pretty strong words in relationship to some of that yesterday, so we will cover that 
before we're done today there as well. And frankly, next couple of days at least, kind of dealing with what Georgia players and Smart himself said there at SEC Media Day. So we'll cover all of that here over the course of the next couple of minutes. But for now on everything else happening in Nashville, what is going on with Georgia, what players had to say, what Smart had to say, the vision cast for the 2023 season yesterday. Let's talk to a guy who's never complacent, seemingly anyway. Uh, Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll pull him out of the uh, Nick Saban press conference here for a moment with what I think is the Saban press conference taking place and talk to him about the Georgia Bulldogs here a little bit. Mike Griffith joining us live from Nashville. Mike, thanks for your time. Appreciate you being here. We'll try to keep it brief because I know you got a lot of stuff you want to do. But I am curious to get your thoughts on Georgia from yesterday. I think it's possible to have a bad showing at media days. Maybe we've seen that from time to time. I don't believe that Georgia did. I thought that Kirby Smart was pretty good there in the overall big room. And it's pretty obvious the players are buying into what he's selling because in many cases they echoed a lot of that same sentiment when they had their own moments to speak there. I thought that Georgia kind of looked like a two-time national champion moving about in Nashville yesterday, but I wasn't there. You were. Uh, What was your experience like? Yeah, Brandon, I thought it was a great vibe. In fact, I, I think it was the best vibe I, I've been saying since the second quarter of the, the, the TCU championship game because I don't know who was still watching that game really in the second half. But but in terms of the enthusiasm and, you know, the positivity, uh, you know, I thought Kirby hit the right notes. I thought the players represented, um, you know, just a really strong day uh, for Georgia football and not just how they presented but how they were received. And, you know, it, it felt like a two-time championship program. And it's pretty well documented. It's been a challenging offseason. It's at times put a damper. Uh, but I, I didn't feel that or sense that yesterday. And, and I think it started with Kirby. I think Kirby was in a really good way. And I just thought he had a really strong performance. One of the things I brought up before you joined us is is that college ball has a way of surprising us. Like, there's no obvious reason that Georgia shouldn't be right in the thick of the championship chase all year long and maybe even winning it. They'll certainly be favored to do that. But, you know, we have seen weird things happen in the SEC before. And so, Mike, the point that I brought up before you joined us was is that, you know, the notion of not being complacent, of better never rest and all those catchphrases – as Cedric Von Prime pointed out, the way you kind of tangibly relate that to your actual task as a player is to understand that every game is an opportunity for disappointment and an opportunity to be upset if you're not careful about it. Obviously, the Missouri game could have been that a year ago. And so to me, when I think about you know what could prevent another championship season for Georgia, it's not a known commodity that you circle – Tennessee game, who knows how good Tennessee is when that game's played. Who knows who you would even play in the college ball playoff if you're able to get there. It's more about the unknown weird things that just sort of pop up during a year, and that's why I think some of the messaging that Smart and the players delivered yesterday, that's why I think it could matter because college football has a way of sort of throwing some things at you that you could have never expected. Well, I mean, Georgia's won, what, 27 straight regular season games, I believe. Um, And, you know, even the best players, and some of the best programs in the country can have great seasons. Uh, you know, what Trevor Lawrence, I think, I don't believe he ever lost a regular season game, and yet he never won a Heisman Trophy, he only won one championship, right? So it, it takes a degree of luck. It, it takes the right matchups. I think what you're saying is right. Uh, you know, Georgia goes into the year, I think, with the best odds, you know, much because of what they bring and their schedule as anything else. Uh, but at the same time, there are unknowns. 
I mean, when people look at the schedule and say, boy, that looks easy, I say, well, you know, Missouri looked pretty easy on the preseason schedule last year, right? And yet that was a game that Georgia, you know, easily could have lost. Um, you know, I don't think there was anything easy about the Ohio State game, but once again, you know, if somebody makes a field goal, they lose that football game, or if Brock Bowers doesn't pull the matrix move, or, you know, perhaps if the Ohio State receiver, there's all these what-ifs, these breaks, these moments in games, uh, and George has been on the right side of those finally at long last. I mean, my goodness, the 2017 Georgia team was, I, I believe, uh, a more dominant team at times than last year's was, right? And could have easily won the national title if not for second and 26. So, you know, you, you see these breaks and they go both ways. Um, you know, 2018 Georgia, you know, wasn't that far off, really, if they get a couple plays. Um, if they're a little bit deeper and more well-rounded like the last two years. So I think Kirby Smart knows that. Uh, I think his players know that. And, you know, I think there's a great awareness that it doesn't change the fact, though, uh, that there's another team on the other side of the ball, and, and they're going to have something to say about how the games go, and, and everybody's going to know what to expect when they play the Georgia Bulldogs. Let me uh, go into a couple specific issues here for a moment. Uh, we found out yesterday morning that uh, Dion Bowie – is no longer a part of this program. There have been rumors to that effect here for a little while. Um, you know, to me, this doesn't have a huge impact on what happens for George on the field. And I think that anytime you go to the transfer portal, there's a little bit of a risk. It might not quite work out. This one didn't work out very, very quickly, obviously. But ultimately, you know, I don't know this reverberates very much, but it was certainly interesting news yesterday because a lot of Georgia fans have gotten to know Bowie pretty well through the recruiting process. What did you make of Smoke's short stint at UGA? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he made it through spring drills, and this is a guy Georgia recruited and had taken a commitment from and was from Kirby Smart's hometown. He'd been camping at Georgia since ninth grade, uh, top 100 recruit. Um, you know, this is a guy that, you know, all signs were this was a good prospect and a good chance, and it, it's going to cost Georgia a scholarship, Brandon. I mean, they got to keep this scholarship doesn't come back. It, was, it, it does hurt. Um, you know, I guess an NIL softens the blow a little bit. But as you said, there's a reason why Georgia got him, and it's because they felt that they had a need at that position. So that's that's one more guy down uh, that they no longer have. Um, you know, I think he probably would have been maybe the fourth corner. Uh, but still, it's a long season. Um, it's too early to say. I mean, if two starting cornerbacks go down, we're going to go, boy, it's too bad that Smoke Bowie didn't work out. But, you know, right now on the surface with all the talent Georgia has, you say, yeah, okay. Um, it's unfortunate, but it happens. So Georgia's down to three transfers on their roster, uh, two from the offseason. It was encouraging yesterday uh, to hear Kirby Smart mention Ra Ra Thomas again because, you know, he kind of, I felt like, and, and Kirby didn't say this, but maybe I surmised this, the fact that he didn't catch a ball in the spring game. I didn't feel like spring ended on a really high note for Ra Ra Thomas. Uh, and that was a the guy they, they need to work out. If you, if you look at the Georgia offense, you know, I think that X position where they lost to Donnie Mitchell, that's a spot where you say, you know what, they're, they're not going to be as good there this year. Um, maybe you don't, but I, that's kind of my sense. I mean, I, Marcus Roseby Jackson is uh, reliable, but I don't think he has the same uh, speed uh, or playmaking ability that a Donnie. At least he hasn't exhibited that yet. He's reliable. He's got good hands. He's a good blocker. But I don't think he's a Donnie Mitchell. You know, So that, that's a spot where Georgia needed to shore up was that X position. Uh, look, as Kirby said, it's not the same Georgia football team. There's going to be several positions and several players that are going to have to step up and, and do something that they've never done, never never had the opportunity to do, uh, but, but to fill some pretty big shoes. 
Uh, shifting gears here, a topic that I brought with you last week and that I think from a Georgia fan's perspective unfortunately turned out to be true is the idea that we would see a little bit of a divergence on timelines on a couple of these injury situations that a lot of the shoulder guys, you know, we've seen that timeline play out before. Uh, they were sort of always, I think, likely to be fine, but there'd been enough chatter about the uh, Smile Mondin, you know, foot injury. There'd been enough chatter about Branson Robinson to lead you to believe that they were going to be a little bit more delayed than the other guys were in terms of being, you know, kind of full participants in the process for Georgia. We kind of, kind of, we kind of got that confirmed there yesterday, and I don't think these are insignificant stories here. I think that Mondin's one of the best players on that defense. I think that Robinson himself could have a good year at the running back spot. Now we saw Jalen Carter a year ago, you know, kind of come in late last season as a fully healthy player, made a big impact once he got here. So both Robinson and uh, Monda may have a chance to do that. Maybe they do that even sooner than uh, Carter did a year ago, but I don't think those are insignificant injury updates to find out that Branson Robinson and uh, Smile Mondin, two guys on uh, both sides of the ball there. I, I don't think those are significant, insignificant stories to find out they won't be fully ready for Georgia to begin this upcoming season. Well, I mean, and that's where the schedule helps out. You know, the last two years with Clemson and Oregon at the top of the schedule, you, you felt like Georgia might need to come out of the gate playing their best ball. And, of course, Kirby Kirby's going to insist on that anyway. But if we're being realistic about it, and I said this yesterday on the SEC Network, that Georgia has what amounts to three Jamboree games in September, maybe four if you count UAB. And, you know, I, I don't expect South Carolina to pose a serious threat. Uh, you know, so the fact that you really – don't see, I believe, a losable game until September 30th at Auburn. And the only reason I say that is because it's at Auburn and Jordan here, and it will be the first road game. And we really don't know who the quarterback is yet as much as we all, uh, you know, we're impressed with Carson back in the spring game. You know, Kirby Smart still has hesitation. He still has questions and answers that he says he can only see in games. There's, there's no substitute for what that quarterback does on third down when the Bulls are live. And, They'll simulate that in a couple of scrimmages, uh, but that'll be the first road start for uh, for whoever the Georgia quarterback is. And uh, you know, while I don't expect Auburn to be that daunting of an opponent, I don't think they'll win more than seven or eight games. Uh, you know, I, I think they could be as dangerous as Missouri was in Columbia, certainly at uh, playing at a stadium like Jordan here. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I know you know how it goes at SEC Media Days, where there's so many things being said in so many different venues. It's sort of hard to keep it all straight. I don't know if you're like me, and maybe you haven't had a chance to process all of this. I thought that Kirby was a lot more revealing about what he said about Carson Beck on the set with the SEC Network guys, like the whatever that show's called, SEC Now or whatever else. I thought he was yeah. a lot more revealing on there about quarterback than he was in any of the other venues that he spoke at yesterday at SEC Media Day. He's talking about what you just said about you know evaluating you know in those August scrimmages, especially that second scrimmage where you do have those repeated third down opportunities where they're defensively sort of throwing everything at you, and that's where you learn more about your quarterback in that particular spot. But also acknowledging on TV yesterday that yeah, of course Beck is in the lead. He was you know willing to acknowledge that. It's kind of funny how much more he kind of gave in that forum than I felt like he necessarily gave in some of the other forums in which he spoke yesterday. Did you kind of get the same sense? Uh, yeah, you know, and, and I did follow Kirby around, and I, you know, I'll have some more stories on, on some of those comments, Brandon, as far as what he said on different programming and, um, you know, a little bit more revealing. And, but I think, you know, for a lot of people, it was, you know, some people were taken aback. I, I mean, there was a lot of Georgia fans, oh, no, it's Carson Beck. Oh, it's all Carson Beck. Oh, there's nobody but Carson Beck. No, no, actually wrong. Wrong answer. Uh, you know, a lot's happened since spring drills, and we don't know exactly all of it, but the, the head coach knows what's going on. 
and there was a reason why the head coach told us that only 25% of the hay was in the barn uh, when spring drills concluded. There's a reason why the head coach said they all needed to play in games and he needed to see more. But but people kind of saw and, and took what they wanted, and I get it. I mean, Carson is the most experienced guy coming back. And, Brandon, I'll tell you, I think he has the highest ceiling of all the quarterbacks. But I would have said that about Jacob Eason, too. And yet it was Jake Fromm that Kirby trusted moving forward with the program. So hey, we have to look at the personnel. Um, you know, if, if Georgia's, you know, if Georgia has the receiving core they do now in 2021, I don't know if Stetson Bennett holds the job, but they didn't. And Kirby said it's kind of hard to go four wide when you've only got six healthy receivers. And suddenly, uh, Stetson Bennett and his ability to run the offense and make plays outside the pocket, uh, handle those RPOs, and, and and the way he improved and performed, and he was the guy. Um, I, I think this is sort of like that, uh, sort of like that a little bit. Uh, Brock Vandergriff a little bit bigger, maybe a little more athletic, certainly not as proven or as seasoned as Stetson Bennett was, but the same kind of quarterback. So what does Georgia personnel dictate? Is this a four- or five-wide offense? Is this a spread team where you want a gunslinger like Carson back with that electric arm, uh, big-time throws? Or do you want a guy like a Brock Vandegrift or a Gunnar Stockton that can also hurt teams with his feet? Um, maybe not the arm, maybe not the arm talent, certainly not the experience, but maybe a little bit better running the ball, maybe a little bit, um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll leave uh, some of these descriptives out until we see more of it. But this has kind of been the chatter I've been hearing the whole offseason was that this thing wasn't over by a long shot. All right, give me a quick note here before you go. Billy Napier, Florida on hand, Nick Saban, Alabama. What is the vibe for day three at Media Days like right now? Well, Saban was fantastic in there, and he talked about how expectations were some set up for disappointment, which I thought was a very interesting tact from Nick Saban. But he's, you know, he's, you know, he's fascinating as always. He's good to listen to, and you know, everyone's here for Nick Saban and the seven-time national champion. Um, you know, still, uh, you know holds great interest like Sam Pittman I think everybody loves Sam Pittman I think he's the most entertaining uh, coach in the league I know people say Lane Kiffin maybe on Twitter but certainly not in person but but Pittman's on deck um, you know two fascinating personalities uh, and then in the afternoon you know Billy Napier I mean how much longer is he going to be around Brandon let's, let's be honest uh, Florida hasn't had a coach with back-to-back losing seasons since the 1940s I think you got to go back to the 70s since the Gators had back-to-back losing seasons, period. But, uh, you know, if Billy Napier uh, has a losing record, uh, Pete Thamel looking sharp right there. Man, there's all sorts of celebrities here. Uh, if he has a losing season, uh, I don't know that he's back next year, Brandon. Do you think Do you think if Billy Napier has a losing season that he, that he would be here at Media Days next year? I think it would be tough, but it also if Scott Strickland fires Billy Napier, that means Scott Strickland's getting fired too. So Strickland, the athletic director, wow. may have some motivation to want to keep him around a little bit early, a little bit longer. Because if Napier doesn't work, then Strickland doesn't get to make the next Florida coaching hire. So there could be a little bit of uh, extenuating circumstance propping up Napier at Florida a bit. Yeah, that, well, extenuating or not, uh, you know, I've got them picked to finish in the lower half of the East, and they they, they hardly seem like a, I don't know. I, I know you're, I know you uh, will always uh, embrace that rivalry, but sure. boy, that, that 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 game certainly pales to me when I compare it to the Tennessee rivalry this year, and and, and maybe even the Auburn rivalry, but largely because those games are on the road. But uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll all have a good time eating uh, frozen yogurt and uh, down in Jacksonville, I'm sure. All right, Mike. It's good to talk to you. Enjoy Nashville, and uh, we will catch up with you again very soon here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So interesting words from Mike Griffith. Obviously, he was, you know, I'm sure being hyperbolic when he talked about the idea of Georgia playing on a four-wide type set. If you play four-wide, you don't have a tight end on the field, and clearly Georgia's going to want to do that. If you play five-wide, you don't have a running back on the field, and clearly Georgia's going to want to do that. So we know that to a certain extent, Georgia's going to be Georgia. In fact, I'm not quite sure anyone's ever in the modern era won a championship without a tight end on the field. Uh, but 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 you, you get the overall point uh, that obviously you know he was trying to make there. Mike has been very clear. He thinks the quarterback competition is still wide open um i think it's unsettled i'm not quite so sure it's wide open um i I don't think you have the news reports about brock vandegriff returning right i mean it's basically announced that vandegriff was not going to transfer i don't think you have that if it was still you know kind of this wide open competition that anybody could win could vandegriff be effective if he were playing uh at the quarterback spot for georgia i obviously believe that he could uh gunner stockton I, i believe could as well uh, but I do think that Carson Beck proved something to me here this spring. Now, uh, as Mike pointed out correctly, we will see if that continues because obviously you got to do it over a longer window of time, of course. Uh, that's going to be required. But in terms of the growth maturity, I think you'd like to have seen from a guy like Beck who had his chance in 2021 and then did not get it done there in that moment. To me, and I'm saying all this someone looking from the outside in, of course, I'm not inside the inner workings of that program each and every day but for me looking outside in this looked like an older more mature more seasoned version of Carson Beck in 2023 than maybe the guy we saw in 2021 who had his chance of what just by his own admission he said that himself here this offseason was just not quite ready to step up and step into that role I am sure we'll talk plenty of quarterback stuff here over the course of uh, the next couple of weeks for now though let's talk about cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and obviously it's a great time to be taking a royal caribbean cruise vacation whether you're going on one of these three or four night sailings you're on a seven night sailing maybe on one of those oasis class ships enjoying all of the great stuff royal caribbean has to offer or you're already thinking about january of 2024 when the debut of icon of the seas takes place and this is going to be something that gets so much talk and chatter even outside our typical sort of you know circle here because anytime a cruise ship like this debuts and all the new ideas and and opportunities it introduces into the cruise vacation space it always just creates a lot of fun a lot of energy and that's what icon of the sea is going to be all about but don't forget those aren't the only new things debuting for royal caribbean in 2024 you've got utopia of the seas coming next summer too a brand new oasis class ship how much fun is that going to be once again really cool specialty restaurant offerings and all the entertainment and the neighborhoods you know it's the different things you do on a oasis class ship where you're left to believe i can't believe i'm on a cruise you know this is this is like being in a city it's like a floating sea it's a water park at sea it's a it's, it's a beach resort at sea it's all these things at the on sea at sea uh it's it, truly truly amazing and of course when you're thinking about 2024 cruise travel you think about that dog nation cruise there as well also on an oasis class ship how about a lure of the seas april 22nd through the 26th uh going to perfect day coco Cay, going to nassau on the bahamas uh leaving on a port canaveral for the very first time ever bigger and better than ever before on an oasis class ship a lure of the seas uh, make sure you check that out great travel agent jessica slater can help you with that 
Find her online, royaldogs.com. That's royaldogs.com. You can find out more about that and be a part of our Dog Nation cruise uh, next April, uh, doing it bigger and better than we ever have before. All right, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me give you one more recruiting note here for a moment. It's later in the show because, frankly, I'm not quite so sure this has a lot of relevance necessarily for Georgia, but five-star wide receiver Mike Matthews is committing today. Don't mind telling you, I think that Matthews is a really good player. And I don't mind telling you that on my wish list of players I would like to have come to Georgia here this year, Matthews was certainly one of those guys for me. Always going to have a little bit of a special place in my heart for the guys who do it in state because I see them more frequently. And I have certainly been dazzled and very impressed by Matthews, obviously receiver at Parkview. I guess the smart money is Matthews to Tennessee. I think that's what the chatter has been as of late when he gets ready to make that pledge. And we will see if that does play out that way. And if that be the case, then Tennessee is getting itself a good one in terms of Mike Matthews. And if it wasn't Tennessee, it'd be somebody else besides Georgia there. Well, it just does not seem like the Georgia Matthews thing was ever destined to be. But you know what? Uh, who's to know how the, how the world could turn in the next few years? Maybe things work out uh, at some point in time. But the point is, tonight or today, when Matthews makes his decision, it seems like it's not going to be Georgia, but he is certainly a very good player. Now, let me move through a couple of other SEC through stories here for a moment. I thought that Hugh Freeze had a pretty good day for Auburn yesterday on a couple of fronts. To me, he sounded very much like an SEC coach in talking about the importance of line of scrimmage. After all, Freeze is kind of like the the sexy offense guy, right? I mean, this is a guy who kind of made his bones as an innovative offensive guy and playing with a lot of pace there at Ole Miss, taking some of that with him to Liberty. You'll remember he got more out of Malik Willis than Auburn was ever capable of uh, getting out of, out of Willis. That, that you know, Freeze kind of made his bones as an innovative, tempo-oriented, offensive-style coach. That's just sort of been what he's been. But yesterday, I felt like some of the stuff you heard from Hugh was about line of scrimmage and how that matters in the SEC. And Hugh Freeze kind of acknowledging that he wants to get Auburn back to respectability and kind of competing once again alongside the Auburn, I should say the Alabamas and the Georgias, something that they haven't been doing, especially against Georgia in quite some time. I think it's obvious the folks around Auburn know how bad the program has been the last couple of years. Uh, what are they, you know, you know, total 11, 14, something like that. Just, you know, really, really ugly record here combined the last couple of seasons need to be better. And I know that Freeze looked like an SEC coach yesterday there at Media. He's obviously been an SEC coach before, and he kind of had some of that sort of seasoned experience about him as he was there yesterday. Now, listen, given the roster the way that it is right now, you know, winning games is going to be a challenge, but they were pretty effective in the portal. They brought in Peyton Thorne at quarterback. Sounds like they want to play him and Robbie Ashford some, maybe. That could be an interesting two-quarterback offering there. They're pretty aggressive in the portal when it comes to offensive and defensive line. Uh, I don't think their recruiting work was necessarily terrible either. I think in terms of short-term work, to get your roster a little closer respectability, I think that, that Freeze has kind of already done that. And I, I do think one of the more interesting games in the Georgia schedule this upcoming season is at Auburn on uh, I believe it's September 30th there. That, to me, is one of those games that you might circle. Who knows how good Tennessee is by the time that Georgia plays it. It could have lost a handful of times, at least twice, before Georgia plays them. But early in the season, Auburn could still be undefeated. Now, they may have losses coming on the other side of that. They almost certainly will. But that Georgia-Auburn game could have a little bit more buzz to it than you might realize, especially if Auburn can win on the road at A&M the week before that. I will uh, tell you this here really quickly there as well. One of the things I did not like yesterday was 
SEC rules official being asked questions about the horns down gesture. Do you know what that is? Like instead of the hook 'em horns thing, you take the two fingers and you sort of point it down. That's supposed to be a way of mocking, you know, Texas. It's a fairly tepid form of mockery if it if it is. Uh, and yet, nonetheless, while Texas has been the Big Twelve, this is one of those things that seems to be like a big deal every offseason. What the officials say about whether or not they're going to penalize a player for doing the horns down gesture, and now we've got this going on in the SEC there as well. Now, ultimately, I don't think the Texas and Oklahoma have necessarily been incredibly hot topics at media days this week. For the most part, the conversation, the best that I can tell, has been about the teams are currently in the league. There have been some questions about the Longhorns and the Sooners, but for the most part, it's been mostly related to what's going to be on the field here in 2023, which I think is good. But I do not want the SEC to become one of these leagues where is horns down going to be a penalty or is it not? Like, like I, I can't think of a more boring conversation than that. And frankly, it's beneath the dignity of the SEC to have to make a big deal about this. And frankly, I don't know that we need officials who take themselves so seriously, whether they be directors of officials or actual officials themselves. I don't know that we need officials who take themselves so seriously that we need to have some sort of long-standing policy about is horns down going to be a penalty the same way the gator chomp might be a penalty or something along those lines. This is just below the standard what I think the SEC should aspire to. And I hope this is the last time we hear anything about horns down. And if somebody does it, I don't think it should be a penalty. If the Longhorns do the horns up, I'm not sure that should be a penalty either. Can we just play football? And, you know, there are places like Texas that seem really attracted to drama. Down here in the SEC, you know, our drama is mostly related to who wins and loses games. And that's the way that I hope this remains. And I don't want to hear about this kind of stuff at SEC Media Days, although admittedly we did hear some of it yesterday. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, I want to turn my attention back to Georgia here for a moment. Before I do that, though, let me remind you about a terrific promotion we have ongoing at Dog Nation right now. I'm going to tell you this earlier in the show. I want to make sure I tell it to you right now. Our celebrating teachers events taking place at dognation.com right now, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. You got a great chance to get involved here and nominate a teacher who's special in your life or special in your community there. That teacher could be a great winner, but guess what? You also get to be a terrific winner potentially just for making that nomination there as well. So we're going to be announcing our winners the week of August 7th through the 11th, but the nomination period is ongoing right now. And if you nominate one of the teachers that ends up being a winner, uh, you can get a $50 gift card to Kroger just for doing that and a Dog Nation gift bag there as well, which includes a T-shirt and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, That's like $100 value uh, in, in total on that prize pack just in itself. That's what you get for being a nominator, which is incredibly cool. The teachers themselves, they get a chance to win four incredible gift cards, including a $100 gift card to our friends at Kroger. What an awesome opportunity here, celebrating great teachers. So many teachers this time of year getting ready to roll up their sleeves and do great work for our communities. The backbone of our communities, we believe that's our schools. It's the teachers that make those schools great, working hard to, to really make sure kids you know, learn what they need to learn and, and, and you know grow the way they need to grow. Great teachers are an invaluable commodity. We want to celebrate some of those great teachers, courtesy of our friends at Kroger right now. So make sure you go to dognation.com. Nominate a great teacher. That teacher could be a big winner as we celebrate them starting the week of August, August 7th. And you could be a winner there as well just for making that nomination. All right, with all that said, let's transition back to Georgia SEC Media Days just for a moment. A lot of folks made... A little bit of a big deal yesterday that in the main podium, which is sort of like the main, like SEC media is sort of a weird thing because you get the big podium where you talk and then you go to a smaller room 
where you essentially do the same thing all over again. And it's always one of those things where, like, the players and the coaches are like, why are we doing this again? We just did this in a different room. Now we're doing it in this room. Uh, but that's just sort of the way the event has sort of always played out. But a lot of folks sort of made a little bit of a big deal about the fact that yesterday Kirby Smart was only asked one question in sort of the official forum about the off-season concerns that Georgia has dealt with, and some of this stemming from the terrible car crash uh, that cost Chandler LaCroix and Devin Willick their lives back in January and some subsequent speeding issues that have come up uh, about the Georgia program you know, since then, that Smart was sort of only asked one question about that yesterday. And for me, that's actually less surprising for me maybe than it was to some, and I'll tell you why. I don't talk a lot about numbers and things like that. You don't care, but I'm in a very privileged position as the host of Dog Nation Daily because I get the chance to interact with tens upon tens of thousands of you who tune into our show every day. And what I can tell you is, is that while the stuff going on with Georgia away from the field and some of what's been said about Georgia going you know, away from the field has been a hot topic for some, the truth is, is that the overall dominant conversation around Georgia here this year, this offseason, really, to me, hasn't been that different than it typically is. Yes, Georgia still mourns a tragedy, and yes, Kirby Smart, as he said many times, takes it very seriously, some of the, the speeding issues that have been unearthed about his team. But that has not prevented us from being able to talk about regular football stuff, which is, after all, what our job is here on Dog Nation Daily, uh, presented by Braden Pass Management. You know, we've talked about position battles and who Georgia's going to play and the outlook for the season. That's been possible to do. There are moments to give you kind of a comparison here in sports, but that's simply not the case. I was doing sports radio back in Atlanta. 20 whatever years ago when like the Michael Vick stuff was happening around the Atlanta Falcons and there were the reports about the dog fighting and things like that at that point in time around that franchise it would have been impossible to talk about anything else you had the PETA protesters and you had the whatever else I mean the scene around Flowery Branch where the Falcons organization was housed it was a circus it was a madhouse and it was the kind of thing that sucked the life out of any other possible conversation. Sometimes off-field issues become so significant that you can't talk about anything else. And with Georgia here this offseason, there's been some serious stuff going on, of course, but it's not been the kind of thing that has prevented other conversations from taking place. It's simply not. We are, Our show stands as a testament to that. So the idea that it didn't dominate the, the media situation yesterday – is in my mind no way surprising because while it has been a present factor in the offseason conversation it has not been the dominant discussion point I don't believe for Georgia here this offseason your own experience might uh, validate that there as well but as far as what Kirby Smart did say on some of those speeding issues he was asked about yesterday once again giving the kind of you know clear I think unmistakable message that he's delivered in the past uh, this is what Kirby Smart did say on that topic yesterday. I'm disappointed any time we have traffic incidents. I, 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 you know, it's, it's very evident uh, when you look at it. We've had traffic citations and incidents throughout the history of being at the University of Georgia. Um, and we actually don't have more now than we've had in the past. So what, we, what concerns me most is the safety of our players. All right? And when you drive at high speeds, it's unsafe. And we don't want that to happen. We're going to do all we can to take that out and uh, make sure that's eradicated. But I'm also smart enough, Pat, to understand and know that 18 to 20-year-olds is when this happens. When it, happens, when it happened to me as a student athlete, that's when speeding happens. What we want to do is take that out and make it safe and not have high speeds. If somebody's going to get a speeding ticket, it should not be a super speeder. 
the uh, Pat that uh, Kirby references there is a guy named Pat Forty, who's a national columnist who asked the question to Kirby right there. And the words that Smart use reinforces some of what I've said about this particular topic in the past. I think it's that some people mistakenly assume that a program like Georgia and any program that might find themselves in a similar position is somehow incentivized to let the players do whatever they want to do. But as Smart points out, if you are driving too fast, you're putting yourself in jeopardy. And parents don't want to trust their players with programs who don't care about the safety of the players. They wouldn't want to do that. There is a strong incentive on the on the part of Georgia to solve this uh, because they obviously want to keep the community safe, but they want to keep the players themselves safe. And oftentimes the person you put in the most danger when you drive way too fast is the person actually driving the car. I think that Smart you know, kind of correctly points that out. I think it also is important to kind of frame this the way that Kirby does right there that you know, in a lot of instances, this may not quite be a crime to be punished. It may be more just sort of a problem to be solved. I mean, after all, I've kind of been honest about this before. When I was young, I had, you know, a handful of speeding tickets. And, you know, a couple of those were, you know, numbers that were pretty high. You know, I don't know if we had the idea of super speeder back then, but uh, we had some sort of category because, you know, I got treated pretty harshly on at least one of the, uh, the, you know, the speeding tickets that I got. I don't say that to downplay it. I say that to say that, hey, this is one of those things that a lot of people, hopefully, you just sort of grow out of. And the job of the Georgia program is to help the players in the program sort of grow out of that faster. And I think that maybe punishment's a part of that. I mean, you know, clearly there there are some things uh, that probably need to be punished. But for the most part, this is about, I think, education and communication and, and probably a lot of ways some accountability. So, I think the good news if you're a Georgia fan is it seems like, you know, the Georgia program takes that seriously. Obviously, we can't know it's anyone's heart or mind, but we certainly don't have any reason to disbelieve Kirby Smart when he talks about how important uh, he views this topic to be. So uh, it's clearly been discussed. It was discussed some yesterday. It was not the dominant narrative around the Georgia program. I didn't expect it to be. It played out pretty much the way that I thought that it would. And, you know, after Kirby Smart said what he said there, said what he said, what was it, a week or so ago, you're sort of left to wonder what else there is to be said about all of this. Let me also give you one more quick shout out before we wrap things up on our program today. That is our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And what an exciting new offering the Finish Long Drink has for us right now. You've tried all the other varieties. You've heard me talk about the Long Drink uh, Zero, the Long Drink Strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume, the Long Drink Cranberry, the traditional, which I've always loved, Blue Can, Grapefruit Flavor, Gin Kick, the sort of mixed drink in a can that the finished long drink is famous for being. You've heard about all of that. But have you tried the brand new offering from our friends at the finished long drink? The peach flavor. That's right. All the way from Finland, a flavor for the finished long drink. Perfect for those of us here in the peach state. The peach flavor of the finished long drink. So if you're hanging out at the lake, if you're at a golf course, if you're going fishing, if you're at the pool, if you're just doing anything with a summertime vibe this summertime of year, the finished long drink, the peach flavored version of that is exactly Exactly what you want to be taking with you. So make sure you try it. Go to thelongdrink.com. You can put in your zip code. You can find out where you can pick some up today. The cool thing is, is by now, it's pretty much matriculated its way everywhere. And by now, most of you have had some sort of experience with it. When we first started talking about this years ago, maybe you said, B, I have no idea what this finished long drink is. Well, guess what? Now you do. Now you love it. And the peach flavored version of the finished long drink may be your favorite flavor yet. Make sure you check it out today. Fun golden shoe today from our buddy James Lawson. Uh, I say our buddy because James was a part of the very first ever Dog Nation cruise. So uh, a 
kind of part of the ground floor of something that's become great here at Dog Nation. He also shares this. A photo of, uh, of the terrific DGD Lauren Smith. I believe this must have been from the Them Dogs documentary. Uh, James shares this. says, find you someone that looks at you the way that Lauren Smith looks at the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, no doubt about that. Hashtag Go Dogs. Hashtag Dog Nation. And a little shout out to me there at Dog Nation Daily. You love to see it and you love the way in which so many of the folks who made kind of Georgia football what it is over the course of not just years, but decades. Uh, the fact that they have been able to enjoy and experience the success of the last couple of years, that is truly a great thing to see. And Lauren, one of those guys I love, kind of bumping into press box games all across the, uh, the, the, the country every time the Georgia Bulldogs play. You'll see uh, Lauren Smith there. And, of course, it makes a thing about the old days of, what do you got, Lauren, from the uh, terrific Larry Munson. Memories that will never fade from our minds, for sure. So good stuff. James Lawson will give you a golden shoe for that. And, of course, our Gator Hater Countdown. Billy Napier is at SEC Media Days today. If anybody worth their salt wants to ask him the best question, it's this. What are you going to do about those Georgia Bulldogs? The only answer, nothing you can do right now. And 101 days, it gets even worse. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management.